what's up, everyone? Welcome to Season 4, Episode 9 of the Euphoria Podcast. Uh, we're available on Spotify, SoundCloud, YouTube, and iTunes. Uh, we are very rapidly approaching Week 9. Four teams have already locked for playoffs. One of those teams is Schalke. And I would say I would argue the man at the center of that team, the, I'm not going to say sole carry, but definitely, I would argue the largest contributing factor is none other than upset. Mm. No, I definitely think our team has been getting a lot better. That's not what the numbers say. The numbers say like 30 <laughs> or more percent damage. They say you do all the damage. And so my theory is upset is is the big carry this year. Uh, I mean, kind of, I think we definitely have been playing around me and me getting resources like quite a lot. But I think ever since Trick joined, our mid-jungle has been playing much better too, and Abba has been coming into his form maybe. And Trick individually as well has been performing really, really well, I think. So I definitely am getting a lot of help uh, for me to put up these numbers. Okay. Someone accused me of hating 80 carries, if you understand why that, and need to understand why that intro came to be, and I was like, this is my moment to just let an 80 carry just totally... That was your chance, I think, to say it's all me. I'm the greatest <laughs> player ever. I am the one true carry potter. But I respect that you deferred it to your team and gave credit where credit is due. We'll talk about Schalke as a team in a whole in a second. The first thing that I want to do is start kind of light in the day. I'm going to be honest. It's a sleepy Tuesday uh, for us. Like This is our first day of the week. So we're going we're gonna to get it back into things. I had um, to film yesterday, too. <laughs> I know. You're tired. I'm, uh, I made Pop-Tarts. It was, it was an experience. It was an exhausting day. Surprisingly exhausting thing, baking. Upset may have also had to do something. I'm not sure. Do you have to do anything yesterday, Upset? Yeah, we, we just scrimped a bit. Oh, yesterday. how'd it go? Working on a Monday. Uh, I, I, it went pretty well, but enemy team was not tryharding that much, maybe. That was my impression. Not, okay. not, not going to reveal who it was, but yeah. All right. So, scrims versus G2. <laughs> Semi-successful. <laughs> totally a guess, by the way. If I'm right, I, you didn't actually leak anything to me. Uh, anyway, I want to say, what does your man say about you? So, when I run into one tricks... Uh, or people with like a million mastery points on any champion, uh, I Im- immediately have thoughts. And they're probably unfair. There's a, there's a lot of stereotypes, I think, that go around solo queue. So I'd love to know. Like, Actually, what's worse? If you ran into, okay, here's my first question before we ask, like, what does a main tell you? Mm-hmm. What would you rather, like, not face? A master Yi with like a bazillion mastery points? Yeah. Or like a Trindamir with a bazillion mastery points? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it used to be in High Elo that Trindamirs were like doing quite poorly and there weren't many Trindamirs like actually doing well because this champ's just not that good uh, in the game. But as of late, every Trindamir that's in the game because like the matchmaking is not so good, I think. Mm-hmm. It's like carrying the game alone and I don't see any Master Yis. <laughs> so I, I definitely don't want to play against the Trindamir because Here, it's here's too broken, I guess. The other question is like on the subject, you, you brought up Trindamir and Master Yis, but is there any like champion that you see uh, that like or any kind of one trick that you see because like NA was notorious for complaining about Riven one tricks and mm-hmm. like Riven need to like nerf Riven she's overpowered all these Riven one tricks are taking over is there anything on EUS where you're like I hate playing against this kind of one trick or like these one yeah, tricks there's like a bunch of talent one tricks like four or five and they're <laughs> just roaming bot all the time and I have to build ninja tavis and I can't have attack speed so Definitely talent one tricks are the most obnoxious to play against, I think. Because they don't even lane, they're just roaming bot trying to kill me the whole game. Alright, so originally I was going to ask you like to tell me about what 80 carries you thought it means, but now I'm starting to think that you have a lot more opinions on roles outside of 80 carries, so why don't we do supports? <laughs> so if you're like, you're queued up, let's say you don't know your support, right? Oof, yeah. He picks, let's, we're going to start you off. He picks Blitzcrank. What is your immediate assumption about that player? 
Does he blind pick it? He blind picks it. Yeah. Oh, I mean, that's already a blower. I mean, <laughs> it's like, but this is still fine. I prefer to play with like melee supports than off roll. Su uh, if the support is off roll, I would much rather have him a melee, play melee support than a range support. Yeah. So Blitzcrank is like borderline int, and I would much <laughs> rather not have a Blitzcrank blind pick, of course. But when I see like, uh, I don't know, like a Fiddlesticks that's off rolling in my team or like a Bard, that's definitely much, much worse. I think. What is wrong with Bard play? Like, do you think Bard is like oh. the, one of the quintessential autofill champions? Like, people get put on support and they just play Bard. I mean, nowadays it's Pike, but there's like two Bard one tricks haunting me in solo queue. Like, I think his name is like Camouflaged Bard, and then he has the oh. Bard Club tag as well, and like over one million points. <laughs> and every time I get him, we get in a huge fight because he's playing like really terrible, and uh, I don't know what to do, and he's just portling around the map, leaving the lane for meeps. And I'm so just is it, it's just you hate Bards because they just leave you. You yeah, realize but you have Ignar like, on your team. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, Ignar likes to roam too, but that's, it's a bit sad, yeah. But um, Bart is also like quite useless if you're not really good at it, because everything you can do is like skill shot dependent, basically, and yeah. timing dependent. So when you're like a Bart one trick and then he lands his ulti, but then he mistimes his Q, and he has like so many games on it, I'm just like questioning his life choices. Like, why does he not just pick maybe Brom or Alistair? <laughs> And he could like, be a good support for me, but yeah. So back back in the day, like when people talked about like the ultimate like get put in the backpack support, it was always like Soraka Janna. Like is Braum yeah. the new like my eighty carry will carry me through this lane kind of support? I mean, Braum is like kind of easy to play, but a, a good Braum is still like so much difference to like a bad Braum. But I mean, probably the champ where you can get carried the easiest is like a Yumi right now. And it used Literally. to be, yeah, <laughs> exactly. And uh, before, like most people were just playing Jenna. But to be honest, if somebody's off right now, you will just pick Pike and Int as well. So yeah, playing botlane is not that fun if you're a solo. And have do you, do you like, are you like a little mad at Riot that they made like a quote unquote carry support that like is is clearly like the biggest bait for people who are autofilled to like I'll just yeah. play like the really flashy clearly not support champion <laughs> yeah I, that's pretty annoying because usually support champs were like not that high skill ceiling but pike is like so much difference if you're really good at it or really bad at it but I can't talk too much because when I am support I like to pick pike <laughs> as well and run it down so yeah I I actually can't complain too much about pike players but uh, it's definitely like too high skill ceiling for uh, the usual off-road support. Yeah. Out, outside of the G2 team, who like, how do you compare to the other auto-filled pikes of the LEC? Like, do you think you're up there, or are you like, are you just oh. one of a million auto-filled pikes running it down in these games? I mean, I would think that I'm up there because like I play with really good pikes. For example, like I played a lot of Silasang's pike, so I, I know like the combos and stuff. But my hook percentage is probably like. Not not up there yet, and I'm not practicing it too much. So yeah, I mean, if you look at the average LEC, I'm probably still like quite high because I play at least bot lane and I know mm -hmm. how, like, how matchups work. But yeah, I'm I'm not I'm not Hillisang. <sighs> pike. Okay, is Hillisang the number one pike that you look up to? Yeah, I th I think Hillisang, and then a close second is Mickey. But Hillisang first—that's kind of interesting. I think most people would. Uh, maybe not most people. I would have given it to Mickey, but. What's I mean, Mickey is really good on Pike too, but uh, I mean, Hillisang has like a, it was like a secret account, but everyone knows now, but he was basically like a Pike one trick mm -hmm. and the amount of Pike games Silly has is like so crazy. And what he does sometimes, you just don't even think about it. It's like his Pike is like a bit more next level, but Mickey is obviously like just really good player. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Um, now I do want to hold to the original 
icebreaker topic, although you've given us tons of solo queue insight, because there's two champions I want to know about for very specific reasons, which will become very apparent momentarily. <laughs> I want to know about Sivir bot lane players. Okay. I want If you see someone lock in Sivir, they only play Sivir, what do you think that this player is good at? What do you think this player is bad at? Like, what does a Sivir one trick tell you? Hmm. Like, what, what, is the, what are the positives and what are the negatives of a Sivir one trick? I mean, to be honest, there's like... In high elo, you most of the time play with similar people, and they, I actually never met a silver one trick. And if you think of a one trick, you most of the time associated like with a player in high elo. Mm-hmm. But the closest thing to a silver one trick would maybe be, uh, I don't know, <laughs> I won't say it. But I guess maybe you guys could figure out who it is. But yeah, I mean, when, when you're silver you one trick, flaming reckless. No, no, of course not. <laughs> he's like playing cocky and karma now. He's 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 smart. Don't yeah. forget the gear. No, but I, I think like. When you play silver and you're your one trick silver and you blind it 24-7, you probably have to be like really good at not inting laning phase because there's at least in past matters there were many champs <laughs> that can really murder you in lane. Yeah. So you need to be like good at not dying. Uh-huh. And then in mid-game it's in solo queue it's kinda easy to become like strong because you kill waves so fast, like you can farm so much. So yeah, probably like have a safe play style and then try to farm up and be good in team fights. That's yeah. what I would think about a silver player. Oh, that's that's interesting. So in my experience, what they do is they <laughs> they try to micromanage everyone in the early game because all they do is AFK wave clear, uh, and then when it becomes late game, they get really mad that like, how did this player get fed when they were kind of just doing nothing on bot side? Um, and then they flame you for the rest of the game. But in order to keep this balance, Yasuo bot lane one tricks. Are there any of those in high elo? No, not really. There's what? like one player. He's called like Umayan. Oh yeah, and he plays a lot of Yasuo, but oh, I, weird. I don't really know who he is. But he's like quite good at Yasuo bot. But I don't know. He's he's kind of toxic. Do you hate Yasuo bots? <laughs> is there is it like? I, I mean, I don't hate them, and most of them like are quite bad. So it's like good for me if enemy picks Yasuo bot. But if it's like a really good Yasuo and he's playing duo queue, let's say, and yeah. I don't have a main support and he's just getting fed off my support, then it's like really unplayable because this champ snowballs really really hard but you have to be really good at it so it's like it's it's kind of like balanced I guess like high skill high reward it's the situation then if you're facing like uh, Perks's Yasuo and Mickey's Gragas down there like Is that immediately you're grabbing like the most defensive bot lane possible? You're like, give me the Tom Kench, give me the Ezreal. Are you getting in there? Are you like Lucian all day? (laughs) No, the problem is if you pick something like that's weak in lane, Yasu will abuse you and he can snowball. So you have to match it like with, for example, a Zyra Khan or something that's that can match it in laning fast because you don't want the Yasu to be snowballing otherwise it will not end up well. So, question. Upset's bringing the bants today. Uh, upset, I like this. Upset, you have to build the perfect flex queue team. Okay. Let's say your mission is to like, you're like, one of your friends is playing League. They're like, man, I really want to like get high rank in flex queue. And you're like, I can help you. We're going to build the best flex queue team of all mm-hmm. time. They're playing jungle. You're playing off roll something because you don't want to play AD carry. That's boring, right? Yeah, sure. You now have to build a bot lane and you get to choose between the Sivir one trick or the Yasuo bot lane one trick. Who do you pick? I mean, is it like reckless or perks in this metaphor? Or, I mean, it, I, yeah, we might be frost sure, yeah, we might be frost Dracos, but oh, sure, reckless oh, or perks. Okay, I mean, if it's like not super high elo players, no, no, not super high elo. I players. would much rather have the silver player, I think, <laughs> <laughs> because Yasuo is like way too hard. I, I don't like even challenger players are like most of the time like not that insane at Yasuo. So yeah, much rather the silver. 
the silver player. You chose wrong. I'm, I'm the asshole one. I would definitely do better for you. I just want everyone to know that Ender and Draco, so we do flex queue and I jungle yeah. for them and they troll the f*** out of me all the time. <laughs> they bring Bard Zoe to the bot lane. Oh, what is know. Bard Zoe ever going to do? That's what they said about our Yasuo Zoe lane and then for some reason... The admittedly silver enemy bot lane did tank three trouble bubbles back to back, <laughs> and then we won. Ross Carnard flex Q Elo is abysmally low. We can play what we want. I hate, I hate them. Seems right there. Yeah. Yeah. Which is why I feel you on the the useless bard comment because as a bard, because he is useless. No, as a useless bard, I'm like either hitting every binding and I'm smurfing. Or I hit one binding at level one, and then I, after that power spike, you kind of spend the rest of the game in a in a power trough if we want to go back to season two. <laughs> this is how Dracos goes. You can always tell how the lane phase went because you hit tab, and he's either running around with double zeal as a bard. Hold on. It's, hold on. I'm Whoa. either running around with Kerchase Shard and a Hextech Revolver, or I don't have any items and I'm 04. So... <laughs> Rapid fire cannon bard, very strong. actually. Hillesang was in fact playing rapid fire it's plus icebound gauntlet bard. Yeah. You can't it's get away so from him. So good, you yeah. actually can't escape. You <laughs> also can't go in on him. It's just okay. I'll try it. I'll try it on eighty. That's not you can. Tr you could try it on eighty. You don't farm well. We've tried that. You you don't farm well. No. So well. me. So just to digress one small more bit. <laughs> this is a little self indulgent. So me and Ender play bot, but both of us hate eighty carry because okay. neither one of us ever want to be in a side lane farming. So we pretty much rock, paper, scissors to see who gets to take a support item in Rome and who has to farm. Because <laughs> nine times out of ten, we're either inting or hard smashing lane, so most of the gold comes from killers anyway. So I've tried carry bard starting with Doran's ring. Farming is miserable. Actually impossible to farm. Character's yeah, not Yeah, I can see it, yeah. It should be hot, yeah. But if you play it, send me the replay file. <laughs> okay. I will get Phil, our producer, to make you a 30 second. I mean, it would probably be I like won't do that, Phil. I front promise. page of Reddit, like S4 upset, running it down with Spot ID. No, I mean, it can't be worse than like the Timo guy from NA who's like actually holding Camp Selects hostage. Actually, or whatever. that's crazy. Yeah. I, I'm happy I'm not playing NA solo queue. Like when I feel down from playing EU solo queue, like, I'm at least not in NA playing that's solo true. queue with 60 ping and land of the one way tricks, more one tricks yeah. streamers and yeah. Why don't, ever, why don't people just like play chicken with those people? Like they come into the lobby like give me this or I'll run it down. Why not? Well, because they don't. Because you kind of have to like first of all like they don't care and probably that's what they want. But you also as a pro player you can't really like. Negotiate with them or like threaten them or something that yeah, you, what are you like gonna take do? over the you lobby. You actually have something on the line. Like this guy just makes another account and climbs again. Upset gets like banned <laughs> and then he's just not allowed to play in the LEC. Exactly. Yeah. Oh. Rough life. Uh, week eight was a weird, weird week. Speaking of weird picks, um, Garenbot came in. Mm -hmm. Soraka top came in. You're remaining to play traditional eighty carries. When does when when does it all break down? When's you your start, Garen When ready? does your Garen come out? Mm, I guess when Yumi is open, I don't okay. even think like it was troll actually. I have seen like this was kind of like a scrim meta pick, maybe mm. if you could call it so. Um, it wasn't like where G2 just picked it for fun to come atop because like Pepper Smithy was here. It was more of a, um, actually a strategy, I would say. And it looked like really in because I think the level one went quite poorly and they had no sums and then they died 2v2 as well. But in the end, like you could see the strengths of it and why it actually makes sense. But um, yeah, I don't think Yumi will be open in any time soon. Maybe versus Vitality, I guess, because they'd like to leave it open. But yeah, I, I don't think I will be playing Garen that yeah. much. Do you think like 
Is this a meta where you think that you as a bot laner have to start to pick up more weird stuff? Because right now, like, it kind of seems to be split. Obviously, Kabe is taking to much more traditional AD carries. You're taking, in, in terms of the top four teams at least, taking much more traditional. And then you've got Umayon, and you've got Reckless, who is like, I don't even know how to describe Reckless's champion pool. It's just like non-interactive champions. It's like Garen, it's Kar like Corky, admittedly, pretty exciting. But the Karma and the Garen are just like, they're just chilling. They, they either auto-shove or they just wait for the Yumi to scale. You know, they're chilling. Yeah, it's really weird because I would think of Reckless that he would, like, want to carry and be, like, the, ma like the main man for his team and, like, get his champions, which are, like, not terrible in this meta. Like, you can, like, Zyra Khan is really good, for example. Or you can still play Silver, like, easily. Or as Kaisa, he has a lot of games on, too. But he's sticking to, like, really weird, like, non-traditional champions. So, yeah, I'm not sure what's going on there, but I, um, for most of it, I, I don't really think that, like, mages are the meta or something. Mm -hmm. If you look at other regions as well, like, as, especially China, I don't see, like, any of the AD carries playing, like, many mages at all. There was, like, a phase where they were playing a lot of Nico, but right now it's, like, just Kai'Sa meta. Again, it feels like Kai'Sa, Lucian, Asriel, and I excel at these champions, and um, I, I definitely can play mages, if I think like, for example, last summer split, AD carries were like really, really weak and everyone was just playing mages. So I was like playing mages too. And I was actually playing like all of them, I think, to like a decent level. At least I would play them on stage. So yeah, if the meta like requires me to play mage, I'm like really willing to play them. And I think they're actually more fun than AD carries because on all these AD carry champs, I have like thousands of games on. Mm -hmm. But when I, you play mages, it's like something fresh and new. But I feel like for my team especially, I think me being on an AD carry champ just provides more because it's like a uh, more reliable win condition maybe and we don't necessarily play too much for like early laning phase or pressure. We much more look to play like a more stable game around objectives and uh, also around me hitting my power spikes on AD carries. So yeah, uh, as of now I don't think like I'm required to play mages or it's even the best option for me. And watching the LEC, it felt like there was like a, a big shift when you guys started grabbing more of like the Kaisa. It felt like Kaisa disappeared for a while and then she came back quite hard. Mm -hmm. um, Lucian also started cropping up more. And it's funny because uh, I watch a lot of the LPL underneath LEC and the LPL never really let go of that. Yeah. And I don't know if it's like a player thing, but I was talking to, well, I heard some other things from LEC <laughs> coaches and I was like, why did you guys grab Kaisa more? And the sentiment seemed to be that it just showed up in LAC scrims and then it forced teams to respond to it versus actually thinking about like why these champions are being picked. So I'm mm -hmm. curious, like, why do you think Kaisa disappeared? Why did she come back? Um, and is this literally just Europe being like, China's still playing this, maybe we should try it, and it just worked out? Mm, I, I think the support meta was the main reason why Kaisa dropped out because it was mainly Lux, Zyra Khan, um, and Tamkench. And Lux is like not specifically good with either Tam or Lux, I think. And also Silver was um, not nerfed yet. And the Silver Kaisa matchup was like not going that well. And most of the time, there's like one dominant champ in the meta. And either you like try to pick it or you like create answers into it. And Kaisa was just not like the best answer into it, I would say. Because um, like you can, as Kaisa pressure, Silver like early levels, but she was so strong that her Q damage at level five already took like 
30% of your HP or something. And once she got pushed, it was way too oppressive to Lena's Kaiser. So once Silver was like so dominant in the meta and Zaya too, which is like, was like good against Kaiser, I think she just dropped out, especially with the support pool. But now you see like a lot more Alistar, you see Nautilus again. Um, so these champs like help Kaiser a lot more because of her passive, obviously, and like the way her ulti works too. So yeah, I, I think it was just like support champion pool and the way Kaiser came back into the meta was a bit randomly because I just started playing it in solo queue a lot. So I wanted to like, because it was always good in solo queue and it's like really fun champ. Um, and then Perks like played it as well a lot and I I saw like s suddenly everyone was just playing Kaiser again and I don't know, then she was just back in the meta, I guess. <laughs> That's all it takes. It feels like sometimes there's these blind spots where people just forget about a champion. Yeah, kind of, again. for sure. Well, um, for, for Schalke, <clears throat> last week was a little bit interesting. Now you guys are uh, fourth currently. I think it takes one win for you to lock fourth and to be uncontested because the two teams behind you both have seven wins and you guys are currently at nine. Mm -hmm. um, some quick math there for you. <laughs> but a weird week, too, because you beat Misfits. That one was pretty, I'd say, pretty convincing. And then you had a, a pretty rough game uh, yeah. against Rogue overall. Um, what Talk to me about like how you felt about this week. Talk to me about what happened, I think, more importantly in that in that Rogue game. Yeah, I mean... Our practice week was not that good in terms of level of scrim partners we had. So we weren't entirely sure on the meta. Mm. For example, in the rogue game, they were playing like two assassins and bot lane matchup was like just a medium matchup, I think, and they had Silas Jungle. And we were actually, I feel like, winning the game for most of it. Or at least like we had like a very decent early game and we like took the Herod, we took two turrets on sides. I was like 30 CS up at 15, I think. I was like in a really good spot. But then uh, two dragons spawned and we were like, we didn't want to contest it, but people were still kind of in position to contest it, which led to them engaging a fight on us. And then um, Akali and Kiana got kills, I think. And then there was like another fight where Kiana, it was like when I think Karma was bot and they tried to dive us and me and Trick ran through the jungle and we both died. And also the play on bot failed where like, Odo died and Artrox died and then it was like suddenly one to seven and my champ can't really deal with these champs at this point. I need like four items probably because I need like a more versus Akali and Kiana, if she gets like a good flank on me, I will probably get one shot. So it just snowballed out of control even though I felt that the enemy team was actually quite lost on the map, like just macro-wise, but they were like good at starting fights for them and getting good fights. So the assassins just snowballed and it felt like like we didn't have a game like this in such a long time, I feel. So mm -hmm. it was like quite, yeah, quite sad because we didn't really show anything. We just like got snowballed on and it was over even though we were like in a good spot, I felt. So when you look back at this in terms of like what you could change going into that game, is it, hey, we need a better read on the meta. Some of these picks shouldn't have been allowed through or maybe, hey, we understand a bit better now how to play against like the Sakani, uh, Kiana, Akali kind of duo. Or is it something that you look more in the game as no, to I correct? mean, there was like one very specific thing uh, in draft because um, we knew like that he is quite good on Kiana top mm -hmm. and that's like a strong champ, but we weren't quite sure how good it would be because we thought like, I, mean, I can't go too much into matchups, but we thought we had like a good situation, but it didn't end up playing out this way, I would say, uh, matchup wise. And then... Uh, our bot lane draft was like quite weird because we they banned like I think Esriel, uh, Siva, and Lucian. I can double check for you, but yeah, I or, that or something right. like this. No, Zaya, uh, 
S resolution and they picked Kaiser like away from me. So bot lane we had to play like something that's not super strong in the meta right now, which led us to like not maybe having the the impact we usually would have because we played like Tristana Rome versus Alistair Kaiser, which was kind of like we didn't provide too much pressure for our team till like much later on, I think. How strong do you think uh, Kiana is? Because it feels like teams are still really figuring out kind of where she fits into priority. Mm -hmm. um, blind pickable, maybe if you're someone like G2, who feels like you can flex it everywhere. Yeah. Maybe Splice can also go that route because it feels like they can probably flex in three different positions. But where do you, as Schalke, feel that you hold Kiana? Yeah, I mean, we have definitely like picking up more on this champ uh, as of late. I, I think um, it's like a, a good jungle champ. But it's kind of like high risk, high reward because you're still like a squishy assassin. And if you don't get your place off, a champ like Sejuani or Javan would probably have like a higher value if you look at all games, like the, the average. But yeah, I mean, you saw, for example, Jankos play it and completely take over game. Or Zerks also had like a very good game versus us on it. So I think the laning phase of this champ is quite weak, especially versus most of the meta champs right now. But you have like a lot of playmaking, you're really mobile, you can roam well. That's why, for example, for G2, I think it's like a perfect Caps champ because you can make so many plays with it and Caps is like not tunnel visioning on lane at all. He's mostly playing to like pressure the map and roam. So yeah, I think it's like strong, but it can also go quite bad, yeah. So in your perspective, this is like a champion right now that, I mean, so from, my, from an outside perspective, looking at this champion, it looks just like disgusting, right? Like very surface level. Not yeah. looking any deeper than that. You see constant stream of high level, like these highlight plays, like... Is this a risk that you expect teams to keep taking? Because like the, historically, when you look at like a high risk, high reward, the immediate kind of example that comes to my mind is like leaders, assassin picks in mid lane. Mm -hmm. Right, Kiana is one of those. But and like, these are like high risk, low reward as of as like, of late, right? Yeah. And that and so that's right, the thing. No. <laughs> is this is like is it on the same tier as that? Where you think it is like actually this very high risk thing, or do you think that like actually I, I don't think it's that high risk in jungle because like I I don't know who came up with this idea, but her EQ. Is mm -hmm. undodgeable. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you and just she flash a, EQ with water. <laughs> and you have a stun, and the E range is like 500 range or something. Can you imagine an assassin with a ranged hard CC? Yeah, it's like, but she also has like an ulti that you can't dodge if you get hit by the Q. <laughs> so if you like don't struggle in laning phase at all because you just have to fight for stronger creeps, it seems like a bit broken and not too much counterplay because because of her EQ uh, mm. interaction and the ulti is like really OP too if you use it well, but if you like miss it, then you are like just gonna die really fast. Yeah, I mean, for me, it just looked uh, honestly incredibly strong. But um, focusing back in on kind of Shalka right now, uh, you talked a little bit about specifically in that road game, this moment around Dragon where like you didn't really want to fight, but people were like in a position to fight and like kind of ended up getting caught out. <laughs> um, and when I when I look listen back, right, like one of the setups coming into a game like this was talking about uh, talking about Schalke as a team, and I think you were on the desk for this. Is like Schalke as a team, from from analyst perspective, from what I've heard, and you, please correct me if I'm wrong here, Frost, because I don't Do want to put words to in your mouth. Yeah, you want to say the thing. So we look at Schalke, and we actually pulled you guys into the room because we watched a lot of um, your guys's vods and try to figure out like where you're making calls because <laughs> <laughs> I agree that Schalke's macro has gotten a lot better since Trick has joined. Um, and then Abba's individual performance seems to have cleaned up on top of like having a veteran next to him. Mm -hmm. um, you guys, we like to use the word decisive. Like you almost like snap make calls whenever you have numbers advantage. I think it has to do with Ignar because it feels like Ignar and Trick are usually uh, there first to the play. And you guys will always have like a th 
three versus four, four v five situation. And you're like, let's do dragon. Let's mm-hmm. contest for Harold. Let's set up for this. And I think like that feels really good about Schalke. But sometimes you guys <laughs> make the wrong call with imperfect information. And then you get yeah. to those really sketchy fights where we thought we had an advantage. We don't have an advantage and it burns you guys really hard. Yeah. Yeah, it definitely happened like I think three times the split. I think it was Splice, we had like a really bad Herald fight. Versus Rogue, we had a really bad Dragon fight. Yeah, I mean, we we like focus quite a lot on these objectives because this is actually where most of the action comes from. If you like don't solo kill your opponent in our lane or your jungle is like not perma ganking, but we don't really like try to play these super volatile lanes with like early game jungles. So most of the time we play around these objectives a lot. And yeah, I mean, sometimes it goes wrong. I, it was like quite a weird game for us versus Rogue because we we were already locked in playoffs, I guess. So, and we are not sure what's like the better seeding. So maybe people were like not hundred percent focused. Like I didn't play that well either. I think yeah. I did like so. It just wasn't clear that this is like a must win. Yeah, game. it wasn't like a must win game. And we, but I'm not taking it like as an excuse. But it didn't. It felt like a bit off in the game. The way we like got engaged into fights. Mm-hmm. It was like we were not fully aware what's happening. Do you think there's a weakness uh, inherently there if you guys are relying on monster objectives for um, leveraging advantages mm-hmm. rather than thinking about like. So we're going to use a word, and I can hate this word because, <laughs> yeah, you know what word it is. Because so many people use it differently, and like team to team will use it differently, but the word is tempo. Mm-hmm. And that probably means something to you as it does to multiple yeah, players. Yeah, I mean, tempo for me is like just basically coming out of base first and being first there on the map and playing on pressure. But we're like not a low tempo team or something. <laughs> no, it's a low tempo team. <laughs> that doesn't exist. I mean, you either play like the map good or bad. And if you like overstay for waves 24-7 and play like this, then your tempo will be bad and you will lose a lot of map control. And I think we're like not bad at it at all. We like have most of the time like fine setups on the map. Even in the road game, I think their support was like resetting way worse than ours. And we were getting like really decent vision and were so- permanently like first on the waves. But how I want viewers to think about tempo mm. is to think about it as uh, in terms of like time to to buy things. So if Epset's talking about like his resets and how it makes them get first to wave. So if you're first on map, you have more time to get to objectives and to set up on plays. My question for you then is when you guys do Herald and when you guys do Dragon as opposed to going to waves or like creating more pressure points either through exerting mm-hmm. vision or whatever, you're effectively inting your tempo into the time that it takes where we could be in these waves, like pressuring them forward, we could be setting up vision, but instead we're taking the time that we think that we have to get Herald and Dragon started. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it works really well, and sometimes that's exactly what you need to do. But oftentimes I feel like Schalke aren't gauging how much tempo they have in the tank. They then walk into a Herald. You guys go to empty, where then the other team gets tempo back and they're able to force a play. And then that's when things get scary for you, where you're like, we can do the Herald, we have enough time, we have an uh, advantage. It Mm -hmm. takes too long. Maybe a bad fight happens. Maybe you get the Herald, but you also lose pressure where like, I don't know, the Akali gets a kill on bot lane and then takes tower plates and then mm-hmm. suddenly, you know, you're like an item and a half. Akali's got like a kill and yeah. like 400 gold. You don't like to see that happen. Yeah, I mean, the thing about objectives is like right now dragons are so strong and Herald, if you like get the Herald and you put it down for a lane, the lane will get like 1000 gold or something, which is obviously like... You just give a lane like three kills, basically, if you use the Herald well. So these objectives are like super valuable. And 
it's like really rare, I think, in a game where you like have so much tempo that enemy can't even contest objective. So we're like definitely planning around that the enemy will come and we will have to like force a fight around it. And it's a fight, so it will be chaotic and enemy team can play the fight better and win. But we are obviously like banking on the fact that we have like a good way of playing the fight out when they come. But yeah, sometimes it goes wrong and we miscalculated like with how many people that can contest the Herald, for example, or like how our map setup actually was. But yeah, I mean, I think our biggest problem in like early game is not that we are like bad in lane or anything. I think, for example, if me and Igna get like uh, a Thresh Lucian or something, I have like quite good numbers in like my CSD and stuff uh, at 15, for example. But we still don't really usually play... But we we like really rarely get like solo kills or something and mm. the way we play around our jungle is also not necessary that we like pressure a lot or force a lot of plays in like laning phase. It's much more like farm for level six, look for like a Sejuani gank with ulti or something, play to like push out waves more. So yeah, we're definitely like less explosive teams and where we like start to get a lot of kills is around the fights so yeah. we are like kind of if enemy team doesn't enter around the fight we hopefully get the objective and know how to snowball but we are like not a team that takes huge advantages in laning phase I think always like getting really good matchups through flexing top and mid champs and like mm. trying to abuse the enemy in laning phase too much. Is it fair to condense all that information to say that Schalke is a team that is much more reliable on contesting fights because you guys have such great controlled team fighting versus trying to advance like like you're saying individual advantages through either like 1v1 kills in solo lanes or 2v2 kills? Yeah, I, I think um, our pressure play on side lane with solo lanes is something we've been working on quite a lot because... Um, it's not like they play bad on Saturn or anything. They are playing quite good, but other teams just look for a lot more opportunities when they're playing champions like, for example, Akali or like wh whatever, right? Just like champs that are um, self-sufficient and can go for plays themselves. We are still opting to like rather set up a really good fight instead of like using your champ to maybe the fullest potential individually. Uh, so this is something we have been working on, like how to maybe generate more pressure with your sideline champs and actually like being confident and going for the place and making it happen if you have a lead. Is this ever like a battle, this mentality of like, uh, it sounds like very controlled League of Legends, very objective focus? Because the counter to that that I see is that you have really aggressive moments in the mid lane. Uh, last season it was kind of, it was mostly Abadage, I'd say, right? Like once the Lissandra effect came out of meta, he obviously had some borderline genius plays that turned into very bad plays, right? Uh, yeah. And now with Trick as well, I think I've seen them do it individually and I've seen them do it together. Mine goes back to that, uh, you know, very hard force Sejuani level six gank where they all misses, but they commit anyway. Um, is it is it kind of like a fight? Uh, do you have, is it hard for, for Trick and Abadagi or any member of your team not to go for like an opportunity when they see it or to like kind of maybe chill a little bit knowing that the dragon fight is coming? Is this- Are you saying no, I, this I, is I, like, sorry. I'm trying to understand this question. Are you asking like if ABBA and Trick want to play for individual, but then they're trying to go into the Schalke system of playing for fights? Yeah, a little. Yeah, I'm curious if like if if that's what's happening, or if this is just like players are still, or like in your system is it still like, hey, if you see these opportunities, go for them. It's just never take, or it's like there's like a no, threshold. No, I, I think it's much more the opposite, basically, where our strength is maybe not. Actually, our mid jungle has been like, like we have no problem with like ganking a lane and making plays around lanes. Mm -hmm. I'm more talking about like individually 
getting up in the enemy's face and like trying to get a bigger advantage by playing very aggressive like yourself in the matchup. That's what I like feel more where other teams excel more than mm -hmm. us. But we are like we like to take fights. It's like you can't like the so like um, uh, Korean approach maybe yeah. in like season six or season seven where it's like you want to the perfect game of League of Legends is no fighting and it's just like pure macro doesn't really exist because League has so many variables yeah. and you need to take advantage of the fights that you think you will win and if you don't do it the enemy team will and then you you like are probably fighting on a on like not even ground because the team that starts the fight most of the time has like a good advantage because that's just how it works like the first blow that lands if Sijani ults you first you will probably die for example so um, yeah I think it's just not like our strength to push individual leads too much mm -hmm. but we are decent at making plays with our jungle around lanes once we hit the timings of like for example Sejani level 6 or Skana, Skana level 6 or stuff like this. Yeah. Does this um, make G2 a really rough stylistic matchup for you guys just because the play styles are so different? Mm, yeah I, I think I, mean, I don't know who has like a good stylistic matchup <laughs> with G2 to be honest. They are just like... Well, I think someone could say like Invictus Gaming probably wouldn't have a bad stylistic matchup against G2 and it yeah, would come yeah, sure. down to like individual. Whereas I think um, in the LEC, we actually have like maybe three to four different like key play styles. Mm -hmm. I think like Schalke is the best at their play style. I think that that's how we defined our four top teams at least. Yeah, how I, look I at mean, it. I think in order to have like a good stylistic matchup versus G2, you need to like match their laning or like be better than them. That's why I think IG was like so good versus G2 because Caps, for example, as a player, even in Fnatic, was not like focused on winning lane that hard, but Rookie's like so good yep. <laughs> at laning. So he was getting like many advantages through this. And that's where I saw like G2's having problem. Or I mean, I guess it was Fnatic last year, but even at MSI or like Wunder having troubles in top lane, which doesn't really happen in Europe. Um, so... Yeah, I think G2 is just so good that like Perma seeing opportunities and going for them, even if they're like risky um, and they're just like really comfortable in this type of playstyle. And we usually don't play like this. So the game we had versus G2, the split was like we were like doing just fine. And then suddenly the talent was making plays and uh, we tried to match the play. And then there's another play happening and then there's another play happening. Mm -hmm. And you have to like keep up to the pace of the game which is quite hard because they also like play champs usually that excel at this kind of playstyle. And we usually, like we had like, I think Azir uh, and something like this <laughs> on our team. And they were just like running around the map um, uh, looking for fights and they're like super good at it, obviously, and really good individually. So it was definitely like a hard matchup for us. Um, so speaking of like this kind of this G2 style, uh, obviously not the focus for Schalke right now. It seems like you guys have a pretty clear, or at least you have a pretty clear idea of what Schalke is going for and how Schalke wants to play. Is mm -hmm. this something that you want to like push for as you move forward? Do you, is this like something that you think that your players have the capacity of doing is being the kind of team that, that can play around individual lane advantages, mm -hmm. that can go for those big flex picks? Because I think when we look at like beating G2 and rising G2 right now, they're kind of put on this pedestal. And I think everyone's wondering like when a team is actually going to challenge them in that capacity. Hmm. Are you capped by... Like, I don't want you to flame I your mean, I think every team is capped by their like Roster. individual strength and weaknesses of players. So, yeah, I mean, we are definitely capped in some way as well. And uh, it's not like we didn't figure out yet that like 
perma-taking fights and solo-killing your opponent <laughs> and like ganking every lane and killing them over and over again is like a good playstyle. We don't think like, oh, why didn't we come up with this? Like, why are we not just killing them all over the map? Why are we like, this is a really good style. We yeah. should probably like use this style. It's more like we are... Just to be sure, you know, you never know. You guys got to ask the dumb question just to see if it's... I could kill him or I could wait till level six and then no, take like, a team fight. If we, like, if we see that we like can take a good fight and kill someone, we will probably do it. It's yeah. more like we, we are like our champs that we take and also like our game level compared to like G2's game level as a whole, it's just like not as high level, I would say, obviously. So mm -hmm. yeah, that's that's why um, it could be like a bit hard, yeah. yeah. Yeah, but like, is that something that like, so is that something that you look at as this like hard cap or is that something that you look at as this like mountain to be climbed as you move forward, this, this individual? Yeah, yeah I like to be optimistic for sure. I would uh, like to think that everyone can still improve and that we all can like get better. And I don't think like we're like fourth place, we're like, not bad players at all. It's just like G2 are um, really good at finding these opportunities and it's mm -hmm. something we have to improve on, I think, if we want to like match them or be able to make plays like they do, yeah. In terms of um, the fact that potentially you have a world champion in the LEC, let's mm -hmm. say G2 go and win, unless Schalke upset them and all of your dreams come true. Of course, when they win the finals and take the first seed, G2 are knocked out in the gauntlet, gotta leave hope. Do you think sure. that... Um, like, can you as a team and you as a player, can you guys feel that? Have you felt a difference in, like, the rise of G2 and the rise of Europe internationally versus the other splits that you've played when mm -hmm. Europe wasn't at, like, the number one? Mm. It definitely feels like... Do you feel G2 like you're like playing a, in the best league in the world? <laughs> uh, no, I don't feel like it because I think... Like, actually, our individual talent is probably as good as ever. I think, like, even the bottom teams have, like, for example, XL. I think their solo lanes are performing quite well. Their jungle is, like, playing good. And their bot is, like, not bad at all. Like, the before, if you look, like, at much older splits, I feel like the bottom teams were, like, not, not that stacked on talent at all. But now our league is, like, quite good. But when I watch, like, for example, LPL, I feel like we have, like, one team that's really good and then maybe Fnatic and Origin dropped off too. So it's, like... G2 and like Fnatic is quite good and then Splice is like quite good too but when I watch LPL and I see like Top or FPX or RNG I mean IG is like not playing that well but I'm pretty sure if IG was in Europe it would be like really really rough for all the teams <laughs> like no matter what so um, yeah I, I don't really think like overall Europe is the strongest region in the world or something but it's definitely like up there I think like top two top three I think just like sometimes the teams are like not playing that well in terms of using the champs that they actually have. And G2 is like super good at it. Yeah. When you um, look forward in terms of personal ambition, uh, actually, before we talk about you as an individual, for, for Schalke, like, I feel like, is there anything specific that you wanted out of the split? Has the split been a success for you guys? Um, is, is making playoffs enough? Did you guys want top two? Like, what was your ambition coming into the split? knowing you're going up against this MSI champion, uh, G2, and how has it kind of shifted as you've gone through? I mean, every split that I approach, I obviously would want to be the champion of the yeah. league, and that should be the mindset, but you also have to be realistic. Like, we like were, like, seventh place last split, and we barely dropped out of playoffs, and we have, like, one roster change. So definitely, like, trying to get into playoffs is, like, important, but that wasn't our goal. Our goal is 
I would say, or at least my personal goal is still like to try to get as good as possible to Gauntlet and then try to like make a run for it because we can't go through points or going through winning the split is like really, really hard too. So just trying to improve as much as possible and first of all qualifying for the Gauntlet. But just like qualifying to playoffs is not something that I'm like proud of or that's um, like feels like a huge accomplishment or something. It, it should be like expected for me mm-hmm. if I think like that I'm really good then I should be able to help my team get to uh, a playoffs contention. And yeah, so the split is like not over yet at all. And I can't say I'm like satisfied. We have to see how playoffs go. We hopefully qualify for the gauntlet too. If we like get out of the first round of playoffs and then we, yeah, uh, I hope just that we like will have a good ending to the year and hopefully like go to Worlds. But obviously that's like still really far in the future. Mm. So when it, when it comes to you, uh, personally, a successful year is that is that worlds is that just the good showing that you talked about? Like for for you, upset like you know, kind of I think in years past looked at as the next the next big prodigy eighty carry, and now considered obviously like very good, always mentioned in the conversation of top eighty carries, but hasn't kind of hit that like that high high worlds performance yet. Is is worlds the no, end all? No, not at all. And I I don't see myself like stopping anytime soon till I reach the. What I like, what I expect for myself and for my team, it's like not matched yet at all. And I really want to go to Worlds and show like how good I am on an international level. And I also really want to be like a dominant team in the league and be a really good team that people consider like can challenge G two and can be really good. So it's still uh, a really long way for me to go. I think till I reach this point in my career where I'm actually like satisfied with the accomplishments I have and like how people perceive the team I'm in. There's um, do you know much about the history of the ADCs in China? Uh, like I know a fair bit, but not like too much. There's a guy named Name who got yeah, a really, I, I know him, yeah. really bad rap when he made his only uh, like world international debut and, and basically got smashed. Um, mm-hmm. But looking at the ADCs in Europe, uh, especially because there's so many talented bot lanes this split, I can't help but like because I'm trained through the lens to like look at ADCs. Um, feel that you kind of remind me of like Nami in a sense where um, Uzi's the big guy that gets all the recognition. He goes internationally. He's always succeeded. He's been like the face of China and he's he's like really good. But mm-hmm. Nami would like smash Uzi for so long in domestic split, <laughs> but then just never got to go internationally, finally yeah. went internationally and then made a fool of himself. And that was just kind of the reputation that was left of his legacy. I'm not saying that you've gone internationally and made a fool of yourself, but there's just like this <laughs> timeline where People will see Reckless, they'll see Perks now, and there's like, people are starting to respect the European bot lanes, but it's almost like a shame that we talk about like the big four bot lanes and it's like Reckless, Perks, not in any order, you and I think Kabe, um, Patrick, maybe last split, but kind of like top three, it's always going to be you three. And mm-hmm. no one's gotten to see you yet. Yeah. And it just kind of feels like a shame. Yeah. I mean, definitely like has been a huge disappointment, especially after going to finals last split. And being like the number one AD. I mean, I was like voted number two AD last split, but I didn't get to show anything in playoffs or like mm. show at all like how good I am in actually ma- matches that are like bigger, you know, than just like regular season games. So, yeah, definitely like some regret in this regard and trying to like get up there. But it's good to hear that even in like the face of that kind of regret or frustration that you still have these very like long term, very kind of I would I'd, I'd say like bold aspirations for yourself. I think. You talk about the team from like a very immediate future perspective, but I like that you talk about yourself from a more long term. I think that's um, pretty healthy, and we've all honestly like 
heard a lot of people who are very like, I will live or die uh, on this split, right? Like making this out like it's the end all be all. But I like that you have this more uh, yeah, long-term perspective. I, I, mean, I get like a lot of inspiration from other player stories or like seeing other players. For example, I mean, even like Rookie was like not being like a contender in the LPL for a long time or like even close to winning the LPL. But now he like is a world champion. He is a LPL champion. He's like everyone finally like saw how good he is. Mm -hmm. And he's like kind of free of all this, of all these thoughts. Like you have to like accomplish, you have to accomplish it. And I think there are like many players like this where they were like at a really bad point, but they just like kept going and they knew they would eventually make it. And that's like what I used to, uh, how I used to look at uh, my career as well. Well, you keep going until like you get to that point and you can say like, I have no regrets, I accomplish everything. Or do you think no, there's a world I, I where... No, I think I will like never stop till I don't enjoy at all what I'm doing because I also really enjoy playing the game competitively. I'm a very competitive person and the game in itself, like with all its flaws and how solo queue is sometimes frustrating and it's how sometimes frustrating to play, like, play in a team and with all the issues around it and like not living up to expectations it's still in the end what I really want to do. And it's uh, something I like wouldn't want to stop doing for anything right now. It's like so exactly what I want to do. If there's this, uh, if there's this, these theoretical teams that you can join, and on one hand, you have a team that would make sure that you were a world champion, but let's say it's not, the game is no longer fun to play. It's no longer enjoyable. Like mm -hmm. it would just be a complete slog. Or on the other side, maybe you're not a world champion, but you're with a group of guys that, you enjoy playing with, you feel that you're still you No, know, I would definitely want to be the world champion. The world champion is what you want. <laughs> I mean, I'm not saying like, like, I think no job is like fun at all times and stuff. And obviously like I'm sacrificing stuff. I'm, I, I didn't mean it like that I have to have fun, you know, to play competitively. I just mean like, if I don't enjoy my life, yeah. Yeah. how it is, then yeah. Eventually but there's a point where you want to I think there's no world champion yeah. that would feel like happy at all times and like everything is going super no, well. I, I think I don't think she was accusing you of being like, no. happy, but I think she was trying to figure out the line, right? Like she was no, trying no, to figure no. out like, okay, but how how much is fun actually important? And apparently world no, championship. Like, world champion is care. like, obviously the dream event, that's like so much more important Whoa. than anything. Like I, I would like be fine with like going to relegations for four splits and like always struggling. If I knew that I would be world champion, it would all be worth it, I think. Dang. That's intense. I feel like I'd get way too cocky if I knew I was going to be the world champion. I'd be like, I shouldn't be here! Like, when is it going to happen? When am I going to be insane? When, is it, when are we going to pop off? I guaranteed knowledge is right at the end of the tunnel. Um, Twitter questions is something that I do want to hit, but before we do that, I want to briefly talk about um, kind of the best bot lanes right now in the LEC. Um, first off, the immediate my immediate assessment is right now that Perks and Mickey are still the best bot lane in the LEC. Do you think that's a fair statement? Yeah, I think that's a fair statement of the performances. It's, yeah, no, definitely. Yeah. I think they are like the best performing bot lane in the league. Do you think that like um, they are miles ahead? Do you think that like it's just because they play on G2 that they get to look so good? Um, or do you think, see that they're like just barely number one? Is there anyone like right behind them in second that you'd put? No, I think like their synergy together is really good. They fit really well in the team. Their team is obviously by far the best team in the league right now. So that automatically will make you look better. Mm. Like no matter what, if your team is winning 90% of games or like 95% of games, 
you will have a lot more games where your team is doing well and so you are doing well but they're also doing well by themselves like uh, I think Mickey is like a really great support in lane especially it has like a wide champion pool and Perks has a really good champ pool too they play well with each other I think they're like yeah a really really good bot lane yeah so then the question for me is who is second because G2 first feels like easy. It also just feels like a safe statement to make. But then who who is behind them? Because I think a lot of people, I mean, Fnatic fans would obviously say the Reckless Hillisang bot lane, but I'm actually, I don't know what to think. It's hard for me to rate people who, I mean, for Reckless, because he's playing he's playing a lot of the Karma and the Garen, and the Corky game is obviously much more easier to identify where things went right yeah, and wrong. Yeah, I, I think I mean, bot lane is kind of tricky because it's two people in one lane. And... You, you can like look at one person and you can look at the other person, like what's the individual level. And then you can also look like how they play together with each other. Like rating AD carries is much different than rating bot lanes. And it also depends like what criteria you're using, for example. Like if you would use like, um, if you would swap out G2's bot lane with a different bot lane, for example, mm -hmm. how much impact do they actually have on their team in like carrying them and all, all this stuff? So. Um, for example, the Fnatic bot lane, I know like Reckless and Hillisang are really good players and I think Hillisang is like uh, still playing really similar how he is usually playing, but Reckless is definitely like taking a weird turn left in his like champion pool and is much, much more supportive and I don't see him like really excelling at the strength that we know him for. So I wouldn't rate like Fnatic's bot lane as like a really good bot lane, but as players, they're still really good, right? Mm. So, but I don't think they're that detrimental to their team's success necessarily, them just as a bot lane. But they obviously still bring a lot to their team. But uh, I think me and Igna are definitely up there too. I think, um, I, I guess Corbin or Skarin are like playing quite, like consistent at least, like quite good. But I feel like this split splices much more about their mid jungle, especially their mid laner having like a lot of really good performances. And Xerxes is like really dominant in terms of stats. I think like he has really low death. Like he just does very little mistakes, but he's still really good at like finding plays and is like really consistent. So I think this is like much more their backbone of the team now than it was in spring where Kobe had like a lot more good games where he was carrying. I think so. Yeah, I think splice botlane is like good. I think me and Igna are quite good, and then it's like G2 Fnatic, I guess. But, I mean, not in order, I, I guess. I'm, I'm not sure. Is there anyone else that you think needs to be on the list? Like, who would you put in, put in fifth place? If, like, the top four teams have the top four bot lanes in your perspective, in no particular oh, order, who's, actually, like, who's the fifth team uh, to add to that? I mean, Patrick Mithy has been having, like, quite a tough split, but I respect Mithy a lot as a player. I think he's quite good. Mm. And Patrick is, uh, like, obviously, like, a decent player who has not been like finding his self to split too much maybe but uh, I know he's like really mechanically talented and that he can play really well especially if he gets like for example his Draven so yeah I think once Origin will mesh better as a team their bot lane will find more success as well and look better again but right now Origin has been struggling so the team like all, overall like all the individual parts look worse except maybe Alfari who's just Consistent as always and playing really well. If you had to give it a quick and dirty one through five ranking, G two number one. Yeah, let's I mean, let's say G two number one. Sure, uh, it does, or you can change <laughs> it. You can you can go against the grain. No, uh, I mean I, I think, I think uh, G two should be number one just out of uh, respect for their team, how they're performing, and how well they've been playing on stage, especially. 
Um, I think we would probably be second if you look at like how much we bring to our team and how important me and Igna are for our team. Not taking anything away from our top set, obviously they're like important part as well in how our team works. Um, then it's. I think it's fanatic than splice. Yeah, I, I think it's fanatic just because even though they're like playing really weird champs and they're much more role player, or at least Reckless is much more of a role player in their team, Hill is saying is still like you have to ban some of his champs or he will for sure do super well. You you like have to respect him at all times because he just goes for plays that you don't really expect. And he's like kind of a carry support player, which is really weird to think about. So it definitely fanatic third, actually. Um and then there's Splice and Origin Botlane. I think both have like strengths and weaknesses. Just me personally, when I play versus Splice Botlane, I don't feel like pressured at all. When they play versus me, they always pick like either Tumkench or Brome and a really strong AD, but they don't use it. They just try to farm. Uh, that's how I feel like they play Jin Tum, but I was up in CSS Kaiser and they were not really like playing to pressure me. So I don't think that they're like, if they would have to carry the team, that they would like not do do that well if they would have to be the pressure point for their team and like be the ones to be played around super much. So I think it's actually Mithy and Patrick probably being the number four spot because even though Mithy has like a few bad moments and Patrick is getting caught like much more recently than last bit, for example, I still think that they like know how to play the map or not even the map, just like how to use their champs to pressure the game like uh, better. Interesting. So, um, I mean, the one that surprised me the most there is kind of putting Patrick and Mithy at fourth. I don't know if anything else stood out to you, Frostgrown, just because, I like, the theory is there for me. We saw it in spring. We saw it in one or two games this Yeah, split. I guess, like, there's also a difference between performance and, like, how good I think people are. Yeah. Uh, that's that's also a factor, yeah. Like, Vitality Botlane in the last few weeks, I think, has been playing quite well with, like, they have, like, their niche picks, I guess, like, like counter picks, like, the fiddle sticks came out and all this stuff, and they play aggressive and they're like not the best in team fights and Jack Troll does sometimes like int, but at least they like found their form again, I feel, and are playing confidently and aggressively and looking to pick up some kills here. Yeah. Hmm. I All kind right. of think of it as like champion pool, wave management, um I forgot. Trade patterns. So it's like <laughs> <laughs> Well, so Norse Garen's a really easy example. Norse Garen on hook based champions and like his Braum. I think his Nautilus uh, is good, but like his Rakan is quite weak when you compare him to other Rakans in our league. And I know saying that seems rather like especially after no, the league but Rakans like are so stacked in our league. I think like yeah. Hillesang, Mickey, Igna are like super good at Rakan. And like Norskaren did just have that amazing Rakan ultimate, which was good. But watching him play Rakan in lane is not the same as like when he's bending hooks as Nautilus around like creeps and like being able to scope people out. I think Ignar and uh, Upset more recently will take like the Lucian matchups and try to go aggro as well as play like you guys can play strong side and weak side now like your champion pools are much more diverse and even when you guys do take like the Lucian Thresh stuff you still are able to uh, manage your wave correctly where you can pull it back play weak side and allow Ignar to roam on a push or on uh, whether it freeze before a crash comes in, mm -hmm. um, which I felt that last time you guys weren't, like, not that you couldn't do it, but you weren't utilizing that as well. I don't know if that's also a trick coming in. So I agree that, in mm -hmm. my personal opinion, that you guys have risen up in your bot lane in terms of your summer performance versus what was happening in spring. Um, Reckless and Hilly, it's like literally Reckless plays like weak side of map almost every single time where he's just a push bot and then it's just Hilly roams and he's like either on Ezreal Karma or not Garen, because he was with Yumi. And he was just like blitzing mid repeatedly. 
Um, so it's a very different play style. And it's like Miffy has the same kind of counter problem that Norse Garen has, where like right now on certain champions, like Tom Kench for Miffy, he's just inting. He even said it in an interview. He's like, the champion just like baits me to end. And normally he's like a really good Tom Kench player, but now he just won't go anywhere near River. So I feel like his effective limit, uh, his effective champion pool in, in summer is like quite smaller than what we normally expect it for Miffy. And that's mm-hmm. kind of the same thing for Nice Garen. If you see them like on their champions, they can still pop off and carry. And you would say that Miffy would probably do that more consistently than Norse Garen because he's like a much more experienced player. But like that's the problems that I have with like the splice bot lane versus the origin bot lane. Does that make sense? Yeah. It's yeah, interesting. So. Final question for you, Frost, before we hit Twitter questions. What? You're, dra- you're picking a bot lane to go on your brand new team. Did I buy a team? You bought a team. Sure. Okay. You bought a team. They're great. They have a very aesthetically pleasing logo and jersey design, which makes you happy. And every time you look at it, you smile a little bit. Um, you've not decided on your top side, but you want to start with your bot lane. Let's say you can pick. First, are you just going to pick G2 bot lane? Because then I'm just going to change the criteria, so you can't just pick G2 bot lane. Or no, take G2 I, bot lane and put Parksmith. I think the, 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 <laughs> the better thing is like if you can only take a player from one team. Sure. So you have to pick like where you're going to pick your G2 member. Yeah. So that's all another way to restrict it. So you can't just pick five members of G2. But I just want I'm just trying to figure out like is there anything that you which of these va- bot lanes do you value the most? Right? Because you talk about them all being very stylistically different. Which one would you value the highest? Or what combination would you like to see if you would have to split up bot lanes? Ooh, I like that too. Upset's way better at this. You should host this show. <laughs> <laughs> I really want to see, um, I would love to see uh, how you are performing, how Mickey is performing together in a bot lane. I think, um, again, coming from the LPL, for a very long time, you had really talented ADCs and you had really talented supports, but it took forever until you got to see them play together. Mm-hmm. It was kind of like 2017, 2016 summer when you finally got like Mata with Uzi and everyone's like, yes, <laughs> this is what we've waited for. Um, and I've always really wanted to see that in um, other leagues now. And now looking at the LEC, like I think that's why Reckless and Hilly were on top for so long is that you had a really good support and a really good ADC. And for a long time, Europe's had some really garbage support. Yeah, especially like, Reckless supports throughout his career where like, nah. It's just been, it's been a bit of a yikes role. <laughs> and for a long time, the, um, the uh, jungle position has also really suffered. But now it feels like Bot lanes are really good. Um, jungle, I feel like we have like a lot of really talented junglers. And so sure, now yeah. I just want to see like another G2 where you take all of the like star players and like condense them together to really see like who is holding who back or not holding back, but like how it fundamentally changes the matchup. I would love to see Mickey with all of the ADCs <laughs> against Mickey and Perks mm-hmm. to like figure out like how much of it is that combination versus how much of it is. Uh, Mickey like helping Perks learn I his role. Really want Hilla saying Perks because the thing that Hilla Perks Perk would be so funny. Yeah. So the thing that Perks said to me when he was on this show and he said a few times is like, "Look, the thing about G two, why we're gonna have bad games is like when we int, we int together." And I'm like, you know who sure does <laughs> love to int on occasion? It's the boy Hilla saying, and I feel like that would be the ultimate like coin flip bot lane. Like you never know; they'd be that ten zero crazy, or ten think, every yeah. game. I, I would love to see that too. Yeah. <laughs> For sure. That's what I want. Let's get uh, some of the Twitter questions in. Frosca, do you have any that you you picked out that you want to start with, or I can just jump into them? Uh, You grab the first one, I'll grab the second. All right. So, Genji Igor, I think it is, SSG Igor. uh, Would you rather play an LCK or an LPL? And which league do you think has the better marksman? (laughs) What a joke. (laughs) (laughs) Which, where would you rather play first? Let's start with that one LCK Mm. or LPL? I mean, I would like join an LPL team or an LCK team. Yeah, yeah. Because then it's like, really big difference like what team I would join 
So let's let's assume. No, I, I would rather play in China. I think. I mean, it just seems like a lot more fun, and the supports are playing like so aggressive twenty four seven. And Korea's kind of resident sleeper is like a bit boring how the bot lanes play. <laughs> I mean, now there's like it's like more... they made an emote just for the LCK. <laughs> <laughs> and now there's like more aggression I can see, and um, in terms of who has the better AD carries, Korea's AD carries are like quite good I think but they play just really different I think Korean AD carries try to like make as little mistakes as possible but Chinese AD carries try to kill as many people as possible all the time so I see like even Uzi I I saw like a game where he was playing Zaya and he went like 0-4 just dying chain inting but then I saw other game like the next game he just picked Kaiser and went like 11-2 and two and was like turbo smurfing and they're playing lanes like so much more to the limit of what's possible and the junglers are also playing like quite different so I feel like LPL is where it's at right now if if you're a bot laner mm -hmm. and you want to like test your skill and see and be challenged 24-7 then yeah I would much rather play in LPL but I think Korea has like some really good ADs still especially Deft even though Kingzone has been struggling a bit lately I think Deft is still like really really good I think Ruler is really good um, Viper I think he's like decent, but I'm not sure actually how good he is compared to Deft. I would, I don't rank Viper like that highly. Um, yeah, I'm not sure. I, I I think LPL is overall like better ADs and more fun region to play. Um, as a follow up before you get your question in Frostgren, uh, Cinco's line Tim at Cinco's Tim. Uh, special characters are crazy. Uh, who do you look up to most in your role? It's kind of a follow up to that. Is there anyone that you mm. look at above all other AD carries? Um, I mean, I've been going through my phases. I, I yeah, because I remember the Sven days, but that's not yeah, quite as. Um, I mean, when I when the I was like, aren't as green as they used to be. <laughs> exactly, like before I played myself in the kill. league, and especially like in season five when I saw like OG Niels, I was playing Lucian Callista twenty four seven, and he was just like so good at Lucian Callista. I like really loved how play Sven played. I think he was playing like he made like so little mistakes that it's something that was like really admirable. But he was still playing like fights really well and he was pressuring like so much and you had to like respect his champs a lot but that kind of fell off and then there was like a split where Reckless was like super super good on Tristan and Silver and there's like always Asian AD carries like actually I liked uh, back then I, I was like in solo queue my name was like OQ because I really <laughs> loved watching him he was like kind of like a Chinese Korean AD carry maybe he, he went was, to like, China to die and kill his career yeah i mean he <laughs> went to na as well NA, NA, it's as well i mean he he like never really maybe like realized his full potential but he's like, good i have a, I have a new theory which is that you curse people every time you idolize them and their careers are actually yeah, maybe <laughs> it's true and then there's like uzi of course uh, especially like um i guess season eight when rng won msi like mm -hmm. how dominant he was looking just like he he and ming i think are such a good fit for each other and they play laning phase like so well they literally contest like when i see them play aggressive matchup every creeps contested their jungle is passing bot level three and you will probably get dove and hopefully your jungle is there too and you like can fight them off otherwise uzi will be like 40 cs up on you at some point and it will be a hard game and just hope uh, your top laner doesn't int or like your top laner can carry otherwise probably you will lose the game i mean in other matters now like the matters a bit uh Solo lane centric, mm -hmm. I would say. But yeah, I mean, there's like so many great ideas that I like to watch, but probably like Uzi is like my favorite, I would say, from mm -hmm. how he plays. So from um, 
Kaneto 29, is there a new ADC from National Leagues this year that looks like he could be the new upset slash Hansama next year? <laughs> because it seems, uh, because to me, it seems like the rookie ADC this year are a step back from last year. So is there anyone that you are paying attention to? Hmm. I mean, there's like always talent, I think. Like, for example, Jaskler has been like playing quite well and I've been talking to him for like quite some time, like trying to um, help him out, like make decisions and uh, like tell him like that he's good. And I think you can see like he's developing into like a quite good player, I think. Um, I think there's like a player called Comp uh, who's like quite high in solo queue most of the time. He, I can see him like have be like talented, but... Um, I, I guess the newer AD carries compared to like how me and Hans were when we came into the league is like a bit less hype or like um like lower expectations. But I think there's like quite a good of AD carries that are just fine. But who will develop into like a hard carry player or who can actually have like big in- impact games on stage, that is like to be decided. One more Frosco if you got it. Who on your team is the biggest griefer? <laughs> Hmm. <laughs> That's a difficult question. I mean, we. I guess we all have our moments. Why don't you say in solo queue, who on your team is the biggest griefer? Let's, let's take, it, uh, take it away from the stage performance okay. so you're not just throwing someone under I, the rock. I, mean, I, I think, like, Trick is, like, really good at competitive. <laughs> but his solo queue is not not something to be to be proud of, maybe. He's <laughs> quite the griefer, I would say. Like, he, he really likes to play off-roll, but he, and he thinks he's, like, good at off-roll. He, like, off-roll barred, just running <laughs> no, it down no, in he, your he lane. He plays, like, pipe. serious champs, but he's, like, really confident in his champs, but he gives up quite fast, I would say. <laughs> and he likes to play Ezreal a lot, but it's, like, it's sometimes 1 in 10. Some, he's, like, basically a Yasuo that's playing Ezreal. So it's, like, really, really confident. I, I think Trick is probably the biggest intent, so, yeah. That's fine. One day, I'll get a challenge of me and Ender playing whatever we want because we're bad versus you playing Pike and Trick playing Ezreal. <laughs> we'll see who wins. Yeah, that that could we, be fun, yeah. I think we still lose. I still think the combined no, ELO, no, you can 100% you lose. <laughs> <laughs> There's no chance. I could probably play 1v2 Ezreal and I would still win. I'll take that. Okay, that's definitely a challenge we're going to follow up on okay, later. We can I, we'll we'll it, figure yeah. out the stakes, but I don't. I think that's actually impossible. Like, no, I, I think it's possible. We should try it. All right, we'll try it. <laughs> we'll figure it out. Uh, anyway, thank you to everyone who sent in Twitter questions. Thank you, Upset, for talking to us about, honestly, a whole variety of topics. Um, this has been season four, episode nine. nine. Got it. <laughs> uh, you know where we're available. I hope you guys like the show. Uh, if you haven't seen it already, the dive ad came out yesterday. We did resolve our bet with them. The superior analysis. The superior analysis of the dive. Um, also, we're still figuring out this quick shot frog tattoo. We forgot to mention it for a few weeks, and I think he thinks he can get out of it, but he's getting a frog tattoo. <laughs> so we'll follow up on that later. Thanks for watching, guys. Bye.